Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 What's that? And welcome to um, Rough Trade Radio's Shoplifting with me, Ben Monhan, and I'm privileged to be joined in the studio by Dave McLean of Django. Django. Hello, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Pleasure and privilege to have you in the store. Thank you. You've shopped in here a few times before, have you? A lot, over the years, yeah. Um, And I used to go to Rough Trade West a lot back in the day before this. So, yeah, ever since this opened, I've been popping in and out, yeah. Yeah. You, I remember someone say you, you DJ'd in store here quite I've, early on when yeah. Rush Trade East opened it. Yeah, I've DJ'd in here quite a few times. So. And we've played here as well. Django of, of course, here, so. of course. Yeah. And you, you, you must be big into your records and collecting. and Massively, yes. It's a bit of a danger zone because I just <laughs> have piles and piles of vinyl and I've been collecting since the, well, since the 80s, really. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I'm a bit like a kid in the sweet shop when I'm anywhere near records. So. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. And and um, it's exciting to have uh, heard the announcement of your new album, which is due out on the 26th of January, Marble Skies. That's right, yes. So that's, was it two years since Saturn, is it? Um, yeah, it will be two years. Yeah. yeah. So, um, there, really. so it's been, so, so how is the... the process of, of following that record off and being and making the new record been um kind of uh a little bit fragmented because we all yeah. went away and kind of had breaks and did different things and then um, well, well earned breaks you guys seem to to tour yeah we yeah especially in the first album we just kind of toured and toured and it never ended and kept gathering momentum so we just kept going and um yeah we did a fair amount of touring last time as well so yeah, just oh, it's difficult to actually get down to making music when yeah, you're yeah. <laughs> when you're a band because you just you, the demand is for you to go out and play, you know, and yeah. be on the road. So and yeah, it's, it's, a, be, it's a very different mindset, isn't oh, it? Oh, totally. Know? Yeah, and once you start doing one, it's hard to switch. Yeah, to the other, we find. So yeah, I mean, it was it was a process of kind of going back to basics a little bit and doing it ourselves completely. And uh, learning, I don't know, learning what worked and what didn't work from the last two. So yeah, uh, yeah, we're pretty happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yourself on production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, although the others kind of chipped in a lot more this time, got kind of involved with the computer more and recording, and it's definitely the most kind of uh, um, collaborative. You know, all of us have chipped in quite yeah. equally on this one more than any, no, more than ever so you seem like quite a f- tight family the band there yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean the the others i'm the only ones without kids the others all have two kids so right. speaking of family it's kind of yeah. working around that now as well so of course. um but it's it's worked out well i think i think we're all pretty quietly proud of this one quietly, yeah, yeah. kind of confident but it's you're too modest i love the uh, tic tac toe uh, record and, oh, and the video, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Who who directed the video? That was, was that? my brother who directed the video. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is handy to have a film director in the family <laughs> uh, to call on. Yeah. So yeah, that was fun doing that, and then yeah, we've got another couple of videos in the works at the moment. So yeah, always interesting these things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you've almost, I, I honestly they sort of become fame for your your live shows i think um you know you put on such a kind of like striking memorable show from times i've seen you in the past are you yeah. looking are you looking is it too early to think about looking forward to playing this record live next year uh, or? we've started it's always a case of reverse engineering for us because yeah. we take the album and then work out how to play it live a little bit um it's always a bit of a headache but um yeah we've started that process and uh, we've never, we never feel like we have long enough to practice. You know, it's, you, you hand in the record and immediately people are like, right, you're booked in for this and that yeah. and you just have to roll with it. So 
it will get better and better the show the new stuff and we'll try and have a mixture of everything old and new and and kind of uh push things a little bit as well we always try and make the the uh live tracks a bit more expansive you know yeah yeah so yeah well, no, it's it's exciting, and hopefully we'll see you in store of trade next year. Cool. Um, so on to your shop lifting choices. So we we challenge you to pick five records for for any any reason, you know, um, for you to to chat about. So what's your your first choice? Uh, first choice is uh, KRS One album, uh, Return of the Boom Bap. I did say you'd pick a hip hop record. Yes, I had this, to. This is from memory of your your amazing record store day <laughs> yeah. set, which uh, you, you banged out some great hip hop. Yeah, that was straight nineties hip hop, and um, I don't know. I'm I'm just a nineties hip hop guy because that's what I grew up yeah. on, and um, it's hard to shake that once you, if you know, when you're a teenager, these things have such a big impression. And there was a little record shop in Dundee down at the Seagate. Yeah. Um that's gone now, but it had a lot of vinyl upstairs. It was like tapes downstairs and then vinyl upstairs before even CDs really. And um I was into so much stuff, mainly sixties stuff though, because that was what was in my parents' record collection and then yeah. when I was like ten, eleven, twelve, that age, I started being interested in hip hop mainly because of skateboard videos you know there were people yeah, were yeah. handing around skate videos and um they had a lot of stuff like bomb the bass and public enemy quite bombastic breakbeat hip-hop and i i was kind of starting to want to know more about it yeah, yeah. and so i went over to this little record shop chammers and joy i think it was called and um got some public enemy on tape and then i got this which is his first solo album after Boogie Down Productions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has Sound of the Police on it, which was obviously just such a big... A big <laughs> and I learned how to scratch, do like scratch DJing with that. Woo, woo. Yeah. Um, so that was must have really driven my parents mental. So that, 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 that must have been sort of quite a nice escape for you kind of like having this new genre to kind of delve into like it sounds like definitely yeah i mean there was a lot of stuff floating around at school and people people were in a, a lot of different stuff and i it was very kind of tribal and you had the indie kids that were into the indie in the 60s stuff Velvet underground still kind of quite big and um and then there was kids bringing in cypress hill tapes and yeah whatnot and th- there was another guy at my primary school who, me and him were sort of like big public enemy fans yeah and we'd swap patches and draw the logo on our jotter and stuff Amazing. and uh yeah i guess for me uh that kind of era and that the way that b- the brits took that and turned it into breakbeat and hardcore and essentially what became rave music was just a, quite an exciting time yeah yeah and um yeah there was there was a there was big records at the time like um the uh there was a big uk record that i can't remember what it is now but it had this breakbeat mm-hmm. very kind of like i guess it was mantronics influence yeah yeah and people would just speed it up and speed it up and i guess that was kind of a forebearer to yeah the start of breakbeats becoming so big and yeah yeah yeah, I just I was just excited by it all, really, and in a way, it reminded me of what I'd grown up listening to—the weirdness of the Beatles and things like that, yeah. and tape loops that they brought in, and you know, there was a sort of I could hear, I could sense a similarity there. So, do you think hip hop DJing was part of that as well? Really. Do you think that was a formative influence on your kind of production here? Definitely, because. Me and my brother just wanted samplers and wanted to play with samplers. And once we knew how, I remember listening to, oh, it's a King B backed by Dope the Man. That was the, the record I was trying to remember. Yeah, yeah. But once I, you know, I would lie with my Walkman and listen to Fear of a Black Planet and try and pick apart the production. And I didn't know what sampling was. So in my head, there was a guy playing the same guitar lick, exactly the same. <laughs> you know, there's a Jim, Jimi Hendrix little snippet in there. 
and in my head I thought there's a guy in the studio just playing that lick perfectly again and again <laughs> and I didn't realize till a little bit later what sampling was and then me and my brother both got into four tracks and sampling and there was no computers really so you'd kind of mix you'd, you'd I would use um, tape loops and I would stick um, sellotape on records to make them skip and then record yeah. that and we were just kind of doing whatever we could to try and copy you know what we were into and, yeah yeah and then it, yeah i guess it developed from that really and any of those uh tracks still still around yes i have four track tapes at home oh amazing but they're all in the wrong speeds you need to play them in it <laughs> uh because the four track i can't remember you had to record at a slower pace or something so if you now just play them back in a tape recorder they're ultra slow yeah but uh i should try and work out how <laughs> digitize them so so would you like to pick one track from this record to play out and... yeah i think well everyone knows sound of the police and i yeah, i played that so much i don't be. we uh, should it be oh, right. i think i think return of the boom bap just play the title track there because i can't remember what it's like so <laughs> Great. good to hear it here it is
Great, so um, we'll move straight on to your second choice. What have you gone for? Uh, so I don't know what this is, but um, I, I, it's called Acid 88. And uh, I flipped it over and it says, uh, compiled by DJ Pierre, which is kind of, you can't get a bigger stamp of approval yeah. for Acid's music. He kind of invented it. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a big... Every few years, people get back in acids. You yeah. know, so I mean, I, I sort of remember the start of it. I was really young, but I remember kind of the commercial end of what acid house, you know, that acid yeah, song yeah, yeah, yeah. as a kid in the late 80s. And just thinking it was, I couldn't really wrap my head around it at the time. I think, my, I suppose, seeing stuff on TV as well, yeah. that would kind of represent that. As a kid, it's like, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was very much painted by the tabloid press as this evil drug culture music. Yeah. I remember at the time. And again, it took me a while to understand it. And it wasn't until maybe, I don't know, like the Prodigy's first album. I remember buying that. And then again, part of that breakbeat culture that I was interested in. And sort of starting to uh understand detroit techno and acid a little bit more um and we, so, we, were you always listening to it with an ear for i, I want to be able to make something like this so in a way yeah but just kind of excited by new sounds yeah you know i've been so into 60s stuff that this was like quite a revelation no guitars and just whatever the hell they were doing <laughs> yeah. how did you know i didn't really know about it eight weights and stuff then but 303 um but yeah it just seemed exciting and then slowly got into detroit techno and chicago house and then became a big fan of certain chicago house labels like dance mania and relief and mm -hmm. they weren't so much you know they weren't so much acid they were more a specific style of chicago house but um i sort of still everybody well everybody loves the 303 i guess yeah. is the <laughs> tagline and <laughs> i i have a little three or three that i just used the other day which made me kind of drawn to this yeah i mean it so i, I also what made me pick this up is there's a luke viber track on oh it, yeah and i wouldn't really associate him with acid so much you no. know i mean I, I had i remember his album big soup that was a big fan of i think it was called big soup and um yeah, he, that, he was yeah. kind of friends with that whole Aphex Twin kind of lot, I think, and just rave culture in general. I think he's dipped his hands in a bit of yes. everything, Luke, hasn't he? He's yeah, yeah. Pretty prolific. Yeah, and I think he, I think he compiled a load of library records recently. I could be wrong. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I'm interested in that, and you know, there's a bunch of stuff on here. There's some PR stuff, um, some stuff I've not heard of. So yeah, I. I can imagine it will be it will be very good. Acid eighty eight. Okay, yeah. so what what track then would you like to hear? Um, let's go for Tyree Cooper because I like him. Acid number two.
Great. Okay, so moving on to your third choice. What have you gone for? Uh, this is um, full tech, and it says on the sticker, long-awaited reissue of the classic hard-to-find op-art EP by sci-fi drum and bass legend Fotech, originally released 1996, uh, and it, it's his first forays into techno. Um, so I, I the, the Fotech records I remember were Rings Around Saturn and the Japanese one which I can't remember what it's called, but it had all the sword fight samples. Okay. Um, and UFO was a big, a big Fotec track I played a lot. And it, the start of UFO has a sample of um, these two policemen in, the, in a forest. Uh, and they, it, 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 it's... Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure our editor, John, can find this track. Yes. And play a bit now. Yeah. And, and they're saying... Um, turning your flashlight there it is over there and it, i'm trying to find this ufo in this forest in england and it's supposed to be whether it is or not it's supposed to be real footage of these two a real audio of these two and i was a I still am a big kind of ufo geek, right you know yeah, so yeah. it was a perfect marriage yeah yeah, yeah. I, anything paranormal paranormal or occult i'm just have always been obsessed with so ghosts and ufos and stuff just so I used to play that a lot. Did you ever see Sean Ryder's UFO program? It rings a bell, actually. He did, he did like a series where he went to South America. Yeah, yeah. In search of UFOs. It's, yeah. It's funny, you should watch it. Yeah, that sounds good. I remember there was a hilarious one where Danny Dyer did a similar thing. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's very funny. But uh, It's always been an interest. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Fortec for me, I was, when, you know, I was big into jungle and stuff at the time and Fotec was always pushing the boundaries and I remember there was footage of him in his bedroom studio and he was really into jazz and I guess that was his sensibilities were much more coming from a jazz side of things rather than just um, dance hall and mm -hmm. hip hop or you know he had a real kind of jazz sensibility and um, I have heard some of his techno stuff but I, I can't think if i've got any or if i really know it that well so i'm just interested to go back because this at the time just passed me by for some reason so yeah very very interested and to we, see what it's about and were you sort of djing that, that this time oh yes yeah yeah i mean i started djing in 92 93 yeah as soon as i went to high school first year in high school so when i was 12 13 i was djing and lots of um industrial strength techno <laughs> right yeah. uh lenny d and things like that and speedy j and even sort of gabber i guess yeah. the, uh, rotterdam stuff and i mean that was so big was in scotland in dundee oh, yeah. so i would play it at youth clubs there would be under 18s raves at youth clubs and i would go with a bag of kind of banging <laughs> techno <laughs> amazing uh and do this kind of ding 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 boom 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 ding ding djing just flicking the crossfader between mad kind of gabber beats but uh but then quickly kind of as i grew out of that very quickly and by 94 95 i i, I was into just so much stuff and djing all different kinds of music and there was a bunch of us in dundee that were very our whole philosophy about djing became this eclectic stance you know where we we there was a night called beat quest and dundee and we'd all take records and it was almost like who could be the most eclectic so yeah. you but the, i mean but there, it wasn't daft there was a thread running through it all but there was a guy there called mark wallace and dundee and he got me in a lot of soul and and funk and stuff like that and jazz so by the time so yeah by 96 i was playing a lot of jungle i guess jazz soul whatever yeah, yeah. was was floating around really but yeah this this interests me well, should we have a track yeah. from it yes uh let's try the version on on the b side train on version here it is
great. Okay. Uh, so we'll move on to what we're on your fourth choice. What have you gone for? Uh, so I, I, I don't know what this is really. Um, it's Basement 5. I kind of think they're a, like a post-punk band. Is that, do you know them? I'm not, I, I, admittedly, not as familiar as I should be because we had a Basement 5 um, collection as one of our albums of the week, I think. Yeah. Uh, not too long ago. Um, but I, I'm admittedly new to them myself. Well, I think, I think they're like a post-punk band from what I know. But, um, and I think they're, one of their sort of seminal albums has been reissued and then it seems that this, Basement Five in dub has been reissued as well, and um, so you mentioned dub before, and yeah, I mean, I, that that's had a a big influence on you as well. Definitely, yeah, song. yeah. It's amazing the amount of people who refer back to dub of all different genres. You know, will refer back to dub, especially from a production kind of ear. Um, Definitely, as, as being like a very open-minded and important kind of palette of sound, I suppose. Totally, and I mean, it was such a far out production technique, and mm-hmm. you know, from from what I read, a lot of the guys like King Tubby that were the real kind of um, originators um, were quite into sort of sort of Sun Records, rockabilly, and the slapback delays and stuff yeah. that they were getting over from America, and then pushing that idea. And I, I, I mean, the whole thing about the dub. The pro- the producer being the he's he's not just producing and mixing he's in the he's using the rhythm he's in the, the band he's the almost. conductor yeah. he's everything really he's yeah. using the tape loops and the and things like that as instruments you know mm-hmm. and it's it's just if you think about it really what they were doing was just completely groundbreaking and yeah far out and I just still hear dub productions from. I think King Tubby's probably, you know, my favourite. Who, you know, that I, it still blow my mind now. That I'm just like, what is that yeah. sound? How is he How doing that? Do and um, you know, we we mess around with tape loops and stuff a lot and echoes and stuff. But do you still do that? Is there? A, is, I suppose there's an element of play in it, isn't you know? Yeah, in yeah, the studio yeah. And yeah. Does that still feed into when you're making a Django record? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we always try and. We always try and kind of keep it in line and not just make a kind of pastiche dub record, you know, yeah. but we pick and we, we kind of pick little things from here and there from production techniques that we've been into over the years and play with them, you know, and we've got a copycat echo deck thing that we use a lot. And it's that going back to that connection between the clash, you know, the, the, the sort of rock and roll and the rockabilly yeah. and dub coming together. I think that it's always been exciting for me and really fits what Vinny does because he's so into the gun club and the cramps and stuff. And then that lends itself to a lot of slapback delay and dubbing and yeah, yeah. stuff like that. And what I, the reason I picked this up is because I'm always excited by a band that then gets dubbed out. So I'm, you know, I'm like the massive attack, um, dub records the mad professor one yeah, yeah yeah and the adrian sherwood's um primal scream dub record yeah, yeah. was always exciting to me and we've done a bunch of stuff with adrian sherwood's on new sounds producer and um and we've um we have a dub uh ep i think it's a rough trade exclusive actually the of the new album from wrong tom the yeah, dub yeah. producer yeah, so, yeah, yeah. which is amazing and so yeah, we we like to kind of hand stuff over to producers and get their interpretation. Yeah, which is which is I guess what has happened here. Someone's taken this and taken this record and just dubbed it out. Which I don't know. It's very geeky of me, but I'm no, fascinated no. by it. Well, let's let's hear a track. What should we go for? Uh, let's go for games dub.
Great. Okay, so we're on to your fifth choice. What, what have you gone for? Uh, it's John Carpenter's uh, Lost Themes. And, um, I mean, there'll be a lot of John Carpenter fans out there of his music and his, his movies, you know, and I guess he's he's kind of iconic really now and it's he's been such a huge influence mm-hmm. on producers the last, especially the last 10 years. I think people kind of really clocked on to, you know, what a genius he was. Definitely. We were just talking about Stranger Things. Yes. Watching the whole well, series. You, it's like, you know, the soundtrack doesn't exist without John Carpenter. Yeah. You know. And um, there's a band, French band we really like called Zombie Zombie who've oh, yeah. done their interpretation of John Carpenter's stuff. And Tommy and the band's a huge John Carpenter's fan. And if you listen to a lot of Tommy's synth parts on both records of very John Carpenter yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, influenced, he just can't help himself. Those more sinister kind of Yes. And... And those weird arpeggios, and even the drum machines, drum machines are used. The drum machine sounds and so stripped back and so simple, but so powerful. You know, it's what I always get from them. And Have soundtracks been a, a big influence on on all of you? Or yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, especially me and Tommy, I'd say we're kind of film heads, and and I mean, growing up in the eighties and nineties um, was such a great era for movies and films i mean 70s i guess i dig back to but wasn't around then to be so kind of imprinted on me on me but 80s stuff definitely is yeah and with a lot of people my age um sort of in the thirty late 30s or whatever that grew up in the 80s and i guess that's where stranger things has come from it's people growing up and then harking back to their nostalgia trip yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Which I like a bit of nostalgia. I just bought a, a ZX Spectrum handheld <laughs> game console. Oh, too much. I don't want to know. <laughs> but it's got all the games on it. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, what's not to like about delving back to this kind of thing? And uh, it kind of just makes me want to watch Escape from New York again. And, and uh, yeah, just something about film and music coming together. So. Was that always a thing with your your brother being making films? Is, is Definitely, a... yeah. He, I mean, in the beta band days, he was very much one hand on the music, one hand on the film, and wanting to bring them both together. You know, um, and now, obviously, you know, he's gone into the film side of it, and then he's trying to he's 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 gone the whole other way, and just to you know, trying to get music to match his films now but um yeah big thing for him and he he's i mean he's serious in his films and his soundtracks you know i'm not i'm not anywhere near that kind of um collector of um soundtracks and movies as he is obviously but yeah i mean i guess i guess that that thing about a good soundtrack sort of standing up on its own as well mm-hmm. is is quite I think it's that marriage of the, the, the audio and visual as mm-hmm. well, which which so again with with your live shows, you know, it's the, the the visual is as important. It's not kind of like his you know, it's not a post rock band kind of here's your sound and and listen and enjoy it. You've always and, and with your music videos as well, there's always been that's always seemed important yeah. to the whole presentation of Django. Yeah, definitely. And also just taking risks with music videos a little bit yeah i watched back some of them now and i'm like wow this is totally <laughs> ridiculous what were, we, what were we thinking but yeah. we just like to try things and yeah yeah have fun with it have fun with it and i guess that's kind of what john carpenter was doing just having a lot of fun yeah making films and making music for the films Cre- creeping you know? people out creeping everyone out okay should we should we have a track yeah um that's the other thing with his with his music they all you can tell they're incredible by the titles. <laughs> We've got White Pulse here, Distant Dream, Last Sunrise. Uh, let's go for Virtual Survivor. Right, here it is.
Okay, great. Well, um, I just wanted to say really, really big thanks for coming in today. Um, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Really interesting five choices. Um, and yeah, new Django Django album, Marble Skies, is out on the 26th of January. Could we play a track off that? Yes. As, as our final track. Well, let's play. Show? Let's play the um, the remix that we did as a band for uh, the, the Tic Tac so, Tic Tac Toe uh, single, which is the going to be the B side of the Tic Tac Toe seven inch. That was hard to say. Yeah, it was a lot, <laughs> a lot of Tic Tac Toeing. <laughs> well, thanks again, Dave. And here, here it is. Trade Radio. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do, so if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.